Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership Podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership Podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. Today, we're going to hear from Bill Blair, who is focused on developing leaders and teams through guided experiences and outdoor adventures. Joining me this week to listen to and discuss the interview are my friends and fellow leaders, Daniel Schwartz, Parker Batista, and Sarah Bredingen. How is everyone doing today? Good. Doing great. Good, man. So one of the things that Bill is going to talk about in the interview today is the importance of both you as a leader and your followers getting to a point where they can say, I don't know. Because that gives you an opportunity to go deeper and to grow. So I wanted to start off today by asking you, what was the time in your life where you got to a point where you had to say, I don't know? Parker? Yeah. Um, one story instantly jumps to mind. When I was in college, one of the summers when I went home, a friend convinced me to jump on a freight train. And the original story was it went in between two points and slowed down, which was about a 20-minute ride, and then we could walk back home. Well, long story short, uh, I ended up in a different state uh, without trying to. And there was a lot of, I don't know. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, and a lot of unknown that I eventually regretted. Great story, but pretty dumb decision. So you you regretted the experience? Uh, when it's all said and done, I don't regret it, no. Yeah. <laughs> there are times in the moment when you're saying, I don't know, though, where it can be difficult for sure. Yeah, it was terrifying in the moment. Daniel, how about you? Well, nothing quite as exciting. A little more ordinary life. But all the way through when I was a teenager, through high school and everything, I was always the kid that kind of had it together, kind of knew where he was going, had a trajectory. I only ever applied to one school, which was MC here in Clinton, Mississippi. I only ever had one major in college, international trade. And then I get to graduating college, and I realize I don't really know what I'm doing or why I'm mm. doing it. And I kind of had to admit that most importantly to myself and those around me uh, and realize that it's okay to kind of wander around a little bit to find what you're actually passionate about. Absolutely. Sarah, how about you? I think the last time I found myself saying, I don't know, would probably be I did a night dive, scuba diving, and I'm not an experienced diver by any means. And so I probably had no business being on that night dive. But it's definitely an experience that puts you out of your comfort zone. You're you're wondering, what's that noise? I don't know. Uh, what What's that animal? I don't know. And so you're definitely in the moment trying to figure out what you're doing and uh, I guess not to be dramatic but to be dramatic and say survive <laughs> yeah it can definitely feel like that mm -hmm. in the moment for sure well be sure to take a listen for when Bill is talking about the the moment where you say I don't know because that's an important moment for both the leader and the follower Bill Blair is the founder of Rocks to Rivers, which is an organization focused on helping people live a life of adventure and influence by guiding them through experiences that build their confidence and expand their ability to navigate struggles. 
He's a leadership coach and American Mountain Guides Association certified single pitch instructor. His passion is to develop leaders of all sorts. Bill holds a master's degree in divinity and has 15 years of experience in leading individuals and groups, as well as years of experience in rock climbing and outdoor risk management. Here is Bill. Bill, welcome to the podcast today. Hey, thanks, Josh. Your organization is all about helping people achieve a life of adventure and influence by guiding them through experiences that build their confidence and expand their ability to navigate struggles. How is it that you do that through your organization? Well, we, we, we tried to, you know, do it by magical arts and it didn't just work out that way. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, that's a great question. One of the main ways that, that it's come to be is uh, by conversations and action. And so it's not just a desire to help people, but it's actually based in neuroscience. So as a rock climber, there are a lot of valuable principles and lessons that you can pull from your experiences in rock climbing that are transferable to everyday life, to yeah. leadership, to relationships. Um, some of them even help in, in times of difficulty. So I, I'm really attracted to those principles. And at the same time, uh, research is out about therapy and recovery and things of that nature. And the research that's available out there teaches us that uh, when therapy or counseling or coaching is combined with activity, the residual impact is just incredible. And so, you know, and I think about it like this, you know, I've grown up uh, in church and I've done a lot of work in church and most of what I've said, people have forgotten. Okay. <laughs> and most of the things I've heard people say yeah. as, as ministers and preachers have been forgotten. I have not forgotten experiences of difficulty. I've never forgotten experiences of of being loved and cared for in the faces and the names of those people who did that. Because those things were in action. They were they were connected to experiences. And so what Rockstar Rivers does is we offer experiences to people where they can push themselves uh, and that out of that, they develop those principles and that through those principles, they can transfer that back. But they're not having to run through a notebook to remember what all those things are and make sure they got them all jotted down. They're built into the experience. Yeah. Yeah. So for someone who leads adventures with groups of people, that seems like an easy thing to do to create those experiences. Do you have any tips or maybe just uh, ideas from your own life and other mm -hmm. parts of your life of how leaders can do that when they're not out in the wild somewhere. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, there's many different forms of, of instruction and teaching. Kinesthetic is uh, one of the best, and, and people know that. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of like the old adage. Sometimes it's attributed to Benjamin Franklin, but I don't think it's him. It may be an African proverb, uh, but it says, you know, uh, tell me and I will forget. Show me, I may remember. Include me, and I will never quit. It's the idea of with me, and in Christian words, we use incarnational. Any any form of getting a person involved with the teaching and instruction you're trying to do. Yeah, um, I call it the lab. Okay, okay. So you'll you'll remember better. It'll it'll get it'll get deeper into your psyche. So how was it that you got into the outdoors adventure world in the first place, and maybe also how you came to develop? rocks to rivers as 
your own organization? Man, uh, I owe that 100% to my youth group growing up. Okay. And, and my dad. My dad, you know, liked being in the outdoors. And, you know, we would go on hiking trips a lot. I'll even back up a little further than that. You know, when I was young, we lived in France. My parents uh, were in church work over there when I was very young. And you walked everywhere. I mean, you know, you either took the metro or you walked. And so I walked to school, uh, which our school, it was in the forest. And um, I was always exposed to the outdoors. My grandfather's one at that time when I was young, he was a farmer. And when I returned to the United States, I was always playing on his farm. And the other grandfather lived in the Smoky Mountains. He was a retired Methodist minister. And he taught me hiking, chopping wood, all those types of things. So all those experiences of kind of affirming that the outdoors is a place for, for, for doing life and engaging life and adventure were kind of in, instilled in me there. A youth group happened when I was like in seventh grade, and our youth minister, who happens to be originally from New Albany, Mississippi, huh. his name was Hooley Goddard, and he had kind of built youth ministry in this tiny little town of Wilmore, Kentucky, around kind of an outdoor model. And so, you know, our trips were often trips to go hiking, backpacking, and there were so many members of the leadership of the youth group that were into the outdoors and stuff like that, and they would just invite you to go. And so I learned how to climb from high school guys that were already rock climbing, college guys that were already rock climbing, and they really weren't just inviting me to go do the activity. I felt like they were trying to invite me into an adventure. That's kind of the background of... uh, of where I got into all the outdoor stuff. So, so based on your experiences, all that you brought up until now, and maybe some things that you've learned as you've helped to grow Rocks to Rivers, yeah. how would you define or explain your coaching and leadership style? There's two veins of, of what we do in Rocks to Rivers. One is personalized business coaching or team development. The other is experiential trips. So there are times when I meet one-on-one with clients and we're just walking through whatever their particular uh, obstacles are, and I get them into their story. Because, uh, you know, the only way to get through something is to move into something. Mm. And so a lot of the, the answers that they're trying to get to actually rely in, in their personal backstory. Uh, a friend of mine says you got to connect the, collect the dots before you connect the dots. And so that's, how we, that's what we do. I get the person into their story. Maybe we're taking a walk or a hike that day, and we just go, get into it. We get into their story, and it's a lot of listening, and it's a lot of encouraging them to get to a place of saying, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Because if they get to the place where they can say, I don't know, they're in a great learning posture. Not so that I can dump that information on them, but so that they can mine that themselves. So that that would be kind of more of the the coaching aspect, And, and that can extend, you know, for several meetings up to a year in some cases. The other half of it would be the adventure trips, and... And in those adventure trips, we do rock climbing, river rafting, and it's all tied to kind of uh, the process of getting this person journaling. If we can take our experiences and put them down and reflect on them, I know you're familiar with the leadership learning cycle, the whole idea of uh, you know experience, reflection, processing, transference, or action, um, and then just to keep learning, to become a learner. Uh, to grow self-awareness. Now, you talked about getting people to a point where they say, I don't know, where they can admit that they don't know. What does that look like? Because we can often point out what people don't know. It's not hard to do that. and, And we don't like to do it for ourselves, but we tend to be really good at doing that for others. But at the same time, people can do that with ill intentions. 
But when you're doing it uh, with the people that you're working with, you're doing it for their own good and doing it in a way that you want to help build them up. How would you say are some of the best ways to get to that point? Is there any advice that you can give to leaders who maybe want to help their own followers get to that point so that they can build their followers up so they can grow together to new and better heights. I think it's about the posture of uh, the guide. The difference between like a, a technical coach and a guide, a coach tells you what to do, but he sits on the sideline. A guide takes you through. It's a posture of humility. I need to cultivate curiosity about the other person's life. I think it, I think it shows them value. And I think it'll give them a sense of curiosity about their own life. I, I really feel in the limited experience that I've had that a guide can give a person tools to navigate things. But at some point, everybody's going to come to the edge of their map. Sure. And that's, that's the unknown. And that's what I'm talking about, what people don't know. And I have to take a humble posture as a guide. And I would encourage that of any leader working with people. I don't know exactly how things are going to go for another person. But if you do your own homework as a leader and you're willing to step into your own unknown carefully, you will gain the confidence of other people. It's kind of like, you know, you need to, you need to take the pill before you recommend the pill sure. a little bit. So, uh, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of people out there that can tell you a lot of information, but I think people naturally trust somebody who they feel is already committed to a process. So that's part of it. Another part of it would be when you're thinking about the edge of the map, it's, it's actually resisting. It's resisting the urge to tell somebody something. Because if they come to that discovery themselves, they're going to feel a greater sense of empowerment and m- more willingness to take their own action moving forward. There's a whole lot in there. It, I think it's a craft, and it, it takes time, and it takes patience. Because so many times, especially when we're in, in leadership language, we call it kind of like a liminal phase where someone is moving beyond their own competencies or moving beyond their own abilities to know exactly what to do in their life, what they really want more than anything because of the codependence of humans is they want to know that they're not alone. So how can we as leaders say, I'm with you without having to dominate their space? And I've made that mistake before, leading people before the season of my life where I looked at it as, I'm the guide. I have all the information. I have all the knowledge. I got the answers. If you can just get to a point of sitting down in a seat, I will give you all the answers sure. and then yeah. you'll think I'm awesome. That really is about the guide. It's not really about the person you're helping or serving. The idea is for them to become the hero in their own story. We're just we're just here at the side where they're encouragers. We're here to lift them up. We're here to show them some tools. And maybe show them some postures to help navigate those waters. But we're answering their deep question, which is really, am I alone? I mean, there's a reason they came to you in the first place. And it's not just because they can't figure something out. They want somebody to be with. Yeah, absolutely. And and honestly, that goes back for me. You know, a lot of people talk about that in leadership language. For me, it's rooted in the idea of Moses in the Bible. I love when God comes to Moses and says, Moses, I'm going to use you to go and pull the people of Israel out of Egypt and bring them, bring them out to me. And, and through that whole process, two things happened. One, you know, God says, I've heard the cry of my people. There's empathy there. There's deep empathy that God has for his people. Something else happens there as well, and many things do, and I'm not trying to cover all those bases. But something else that really makes me curious is 
Moses starts going off on a reel of all these reasons and questions as to why he's the one and why he should be the one. <laughs> and God doesn't answer a single one of them. Huh. He just says this, I will be with you. It says a few other things too, but I just find that interesting. He actually answers the question that Moses is asking the most is, are you asking me to do this all by myself? And God kind of, God kind of helps him out at the end of that, of their little exchange there at the burning bush by saying, because it, it comes back up. Moses kind of brings it back up. I can't do this all alone. I can't speak well, all this kind of thing. And he's like, hey man, Aaron's already on his way. He's going to meet you. I think Christ is the ultimate leader. And I always find it interesting that his posture is curiosity. His posture towards people in difficult times is questions. I just always find it interesting that at big points in Scripture where major transitions are happening, God values the people, and he asks them very important questions that help them to get honest with themselves. And so I think good guides ask good questions. So uh, awareness is something that you want to bring the people that you're working with to. You want you want to bring the people you're working with to awareness. But another thing that you mentioned is uh, you just said something about your own leadership. You said there are times that you don't know. And so yes. it seems like as, <laughs> as a guide, there is also a point where you're trying to bring people to realize and admit that they don't know something. And you need to live at a point where you are aware that you don't know. Yes. Are, are there? I want to see if I can get to some practical examples. Sure. We hadn't talked about this beforehand, but can you think of any times on actual trips and it could be with rocks or rivers or before that, that you did not know something that you would have preferred to know, but was able to grow through that. Does that make sense? Oh man. Yeah. Get the list out. Let's go. I could, I could take it from the angle of something personal or something environmental. Um, there are times that I did not know I was as tired as I was. That definitely affected my ability to lead. Hmm. So growing in awareness of listening to, where you are paying attention to your body, especially in the outdoors, you have to pay attention to your body. So a tool would be, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you tired? Are you frustrated? Taking a posture of curiosity towards how you are is one of the best gifts you can give yourself as a leader. Because if not, you're just kind of rolling through it. And you got to be careful because you're working with people. We want to care for them and love them. So I think that's one. That would be something internal, okay? Yeah. Uh, then there's also environmental. <laughs> and environmental, yeah. So uh, one, of the, one of the most glaring ones was, you know, over 10 years ago, I was in the Northwoods in Wisconsin. And I was at a camp called Honey Rock, which is, ba it's a Wheaton College, has an outdoor leadership camp called Honey Rock. And so anyway, long story short, um, my, I was a teaching assistant while in seminary at Wesley Biblical Seminary. I was a teaching assistant for Huli Goddard at Columbia International University. And he took this leadership trip up there. And I'd never been somewhere where lakes get covered in ice <laughs> yeah, uh, that you could actually walk across. You know, I'd never been there. But he let us know that it was early in the season and nobody had really tested to see if the water, if the ice was thick enough to walk on. So we were, uh, we were on the other side of this massive lake and we had kind of a... Uh, we had the charge that it was our job to get from point A to point B. And we had some students there and we were just trying to care for them through that process. And I got to be honest and say that if there's a first takeaway, it's the fact that the unknown is frustrating. Okay. <laughs> and we can either decide to kind of like when you get cold in a room, the problem with modern day culture is that we have these, um, 
climate control centers on the side of the room. If That's we're right. uncomfortable, we That's can right. we can change that. And people do that through all various types of forms, whether uh, overworking or substance abuse or you know just deciding to put their head in the sand on issues. So anyway, long story short, we we get to the edge of this lake. And we've we've decided we're gonna try to walk around, but it's ju- we're just running out of time, and we need to get to point B in order to camp, in order to eat, and all this time uh, our our leader had kind of stayed disengaged, more like an umpire than a facilitator. Okay, and it was part of his process to help us through leadership because he needed us to get out there and figure it out, but we weren't willing. We were really afraid to get into the unknown about the ice, but time was of the essence. And he kind of stepped out of line, and he had probably a 50-pound pack on. And he's an ox of a man. And he ran through the brushes and jumped up and landed on top of the ice. And it freaked all of us out. Sure, yeah. We were like, he has lost it, man. And he landed right there, and I got so mad at him because I realized in that moment, one, he had known that the ice was was thick enough to walk on, and two, it exposed us to it made us it made us realize that you know what we didn't know so it exposed our our insecurities and our lack of knowledge about something that we should have researched but at the same time it showed us a way forward so he was willing to get out there and do the hard thing to show us the way forward so that's a practical one so a leader a good tool that a leader has to have is being willing to risk whether other people like him or not in order to go take a jump. <laughs> That's a good word. And he That's has a, a threshold built up. He knew that he had the confidence of us that we might get frustrated with him, but we knew that he would take us to a, to a different place. And we ate great that night because we were able to get to where we were going in sub-zero temperatures. You just talked about some principles that leaders can take from experiences in the outdoors. What are some key principles that you would highlight that leaders could learn from being in the wild more often in addition to some of the things you've already mentioned? Well, a a good one is um, don't go solo. You know, there's a movie out right now uh, put out by Jimmy Chin called Free Solo. It's about Alex Honnold. It's it's amazing. Alex and just the way his mind works, it's absolutely amazing to me that that he's able to do what he can do. Which, could you explain that real quick to people sure. who may not be familiar? Yeah. Free solo climbing is climbing without any ropes or harnesses. It's just you, some climbing shoes, maybe some chalk, um, whatever you need for the day and go. But no ropes. You're not clipped into anything. You're not anchored into anything. You're just climbing, just like a kid would climb a tree. And this is specifically uh, the movies about him climbing El Capitan, right? That's right. And there's people all around him videoing, but yes. he's on his own. Nothing... That's right. Protecting him from anything else. That's exactly right. You know, so I, w- I would say good for him. He's pushing his own boundaries and his own limits. I do think a lot of people in the leadership community have learned that, of course, you have to do all your own work. You have to grow with the Lord. You have to grow in your own leadership skills. But there is something, again, codependence isn't the answer, but there is something good in having uh, a group of people around you that can then help you walk through the process. So this whole idea of, you know, me and Jesus, I just think it's dangerous. Yeah. Um, I think you need you need a collective. So if it's in church or if it's in your own personal journey, uh, you need to have other people present walking with you through an adventure. Uh, my friend says it best, and I love it. He says, the most dangerous thing is a man walking around in his own head without adult supervision. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he's right. So I think one principle is, is if you're not careful, and even if you are careful, uh, Alex Honnold is one of the most careful people in the world. Nature will teach you, if you go it alone, you'll get lost or you're going to die eventually. It's good to check in and let people know where you are. And I don't just mean an inventor. I mean in leadership. Check in let people know where you are. Don't be solo. What is your 60-second pitch for why leaders and their teams should spend more time together on an adventure of some kind? Because it's better together. Shared experiences. There's, there's part of when you're in an experience that if you're just doing it alone, you're not going to get full value out of it because there are things about you that other people see that are positive and encouraging and great, absolutely amazing, that because of your because of our self-tapes, our bad self-tapes, we're not going to see them. Hmm. So we need other people there to show us ways we're doing things well and to reflect to us like a mirror, not to talk us out, but to reflect to us like a mirror and say, Josh, this is what I hear from you. This is what I'm seeing in you. Yeah. And man, this looks awesome. So many people, especially the older we get in life, have so many bad shame tapes rolling in their head. So I would th- say that's what Rocks to Rivers offers is, of course, we do rock climbing, we do river rafting, we do things of that nature. But what we want to do is provide you a mirror and a pathway to really connect to your story. Why? So that you can become the full person that you were meant to be. All right. Before we finish, I have a few final questions that are meant to inspire us toward better leadership. So you ready for this? Yes. All righty. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? Let's go. It's this idea of if somebody came up with the great idea, or somebody who believes he's right there beside you saying, yeah, let's do it. And for me, it comes from the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer. It's the first climbing story in the Bible. First Samuel 14, go check it out. His armor bearer looks at him. It's a very daunting situation. They're looking up the hill. Uh, two little boys, basically, you know, probably high schoolers, looking at a garrison of Philistine fighters. And the fighters are like, come up here and we're going to teach you something. And and he looks at his arm bearer and says, if the Lord is with us, they're going to tell us that. And we're going to go and we're going to conquer today. And if not, well, it's in the Lord's hands. And his arm bearer looks back at him and says, go. Hmm. I'm with you heart and soul. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is? Humble. Curious. I'm going to give you four. Does his own work and takes risks. All righty. Including adding an extra descriptor to the, uh, <laughs> the question. I like it. All righty. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? Who am I becoming? What book would you recommend to leaders? Jordan Peterson, Principles. If you could get every single listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? Yes, and I'm I'm going to give credit for this one because it's not mine. This is from my friend Eli Machen. He is a therapist. Um from North Carolina, and he is also one of the lead therapists at OnSite in Nashville, which is a um, a lifestyle wellness brand and okay. uh, coaching. And and Eli says, in order to not hustle for your worthiness, go get an Expo marker and on your mirror or in a journal for ninety days. Go write "I am," and they can only be positive statements. Hmm. And if you're not able to do that, then write, I am becoming, and only write positive statements. And finally, we have an arbitrary but insightful question, which is, as a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? I think why not, personally. Uh, And I don't mean that in a negative, more like in a, if somebody came up with a good idea, 
Why not? That, that kind of expression to it. Well, Bill, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Could you let everyone know where to find out more about Rocks to Rivers and anything else you're doing? Sure. You can follow us on Instagram at Rocks to Rivers. That's R-O-C-K-S-T-O-R-I-V-E-R-S. If you guys are interested in coaching of this type or a trip, uh, please check us out at rockstorivers.com. Good stuff. Well, Bill, it's been a pleasure. I hope you found today's interview valuable. We'll be back on Friday to discuss the interview and share some of our key takeaways with you. If you want to share your own thoughts on what you heard today or leave other feedback for the show, email us at community at lifeasleadership.com. And if you think today's show could be helpful to someone else who cares about becoming a better leader, go ahead and share it with them. Until next time, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist... It feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.